0: Uh, Don't stop eating. Enjoy yourself still. Finish your dessert. But uh, to save time, I'd like to make some announcement. Next week, we will have a, a speaker who is going to speak about Bill 6, the Enhanced Protection for Farm and Ranch Workers Uh, How is it progressing? I understand there's been some revisions made. It's a very controversial issue, maybe not in the city, but in the rural communities. So uh, uh, this will be the topic next week. Uh, Speaker is Mike Rappel. I don't know what these initials are. But anyway, he sounds like an interesting speaker. So I recommend that you come to listen to the progress report on Bill 6. Um, How are we doing with time? Is it time to come up? Now, we are going to have a half an hour of question and answer period. And uh, uh, those who would like to ask Paul your questions, please come up to the microphone and first introduce yourself and keep your comments very short, maybe half a second, and ask up to two questions. Uh, This is not a place to make your position known, this is a place to ask questions. So if you don't have any question, but if you have a lot to say, don't come. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Paul, are you finished your mm-hmm. a D- dessert? Okay, you ready? So I'll ask Paul to come up. And those who would like to ask Paul questions, please come up to the microphone. Thank you.
1: Hi Paul. Hi, how are I'm you?
2: Good. Thank Good. you. I'm Bev mendel
1: Nice to meet you.
2: Thank you very much for your talk. The question I had written down I had to throw away because your talk wasn't on that.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, you, you can ask ask it anyhow if you want. No, that's okay.
2: Okay. Um, instead, I have another question from our table. Okay. <laughs> and that is, you talked about men in the, the different countries, mm-hmm. but what about women right. who are unhappy with the kinds of behavioral things that they have to do in their society, and they would rather be men or be do those men-type right, things. Yeah. So, did you find the counterparts to in your study the female
1: counterparts? Well, um, there there are a group of masculine women in Samoa that are are known as fafatama. Fa means in the manner of, and fafine means woman. And, and kama or tama means man, so they're called fafa tama. Uh, they're they're nowhere near as prevalent as fafa fine, which isn't really a surprise, because they're same-sex attracted in adulthood, and we know that same-sex attracted females, uh, no matter where you go in the world, they occur at lower frequencies in the population than same-sex attracted males. Um, So, it's no surprise that the Fafatama are less common than the Fafafine. Uh, The other thing about the Fafatama, I only know a few. Uh, I only know a few. Um, And the other thing about them is they don't seem to coalesce into communities the way Fafafine do. So there really is a Fafafine community and a Fafafine association and they organize events. They organize fundraisers for the uh, local uh, churches, et cetera. You don't see that kind of um, of coalescing into a community with the fafatama the way you do with the fafafine. The other thing I'd say is that probably the fafafine, they're more accepted in Samoan culture than the fafatama. So I think that's interesting because it, it demonstrates that just because know, acceptance is extended towards a particular aspect of sexual or gender diversity, in this case, male femininity, it doesn't mean that it's extended to all forms of sexual or gender diversity, such as um, female masculinity. Um, So that's about all I can say. People ask me about that all the time. Um, And um, it would be great. to have someone do some some work on those communities, but in general, you know, when you look cross-culturally, um, it, it seems that third gender categories for feminine males are much more common cross-culturally than third gender categories for masculine women. I'm not. It, it's not to say that there aren't pr- particular cultures where they exist, um, but they're much less common than the third gender categories for feminine males. Some of the some of the best examples for third gender masculine females would be. In Albania, northern Albania, there's a category called sworn virgins, and they're not recognized as being men or women. Um, That's probably the best documented of of all of them. But throughout Polynesia, Samoa, Tahiti, uh, uh, Tonga, you you, you would also find these uh, third gender categories for masculine women. It's just they're going to be less common and less um, less visible, I would say.
3: Okay, my name is. My name is Mark Gettle. Hi, I'm just wondering if do you think that because of our culture yes. not accepting these uh, changes in behavior, yes. that this compels these people to take the drastic measures to actually change their gender through medical or and, and hormonal treatments, and also uh, how do you feel about that? For instance, in, uh, a while ago in Time magazine, I believe, or National Geographic. Uh, were showing examples of actually even children being treated hormonally and their parents allowing them, right. so that they would ch- physically change their body to conform to what they thought that they right. wanted to be.
0: Right,
1: well, it's a, it, it's a complicated issue, or you've raised actually different issues, and, and um, if, if we're talking about trans, transsexualism, actual modification of the body, no, we we have to we have to in in order to really have an intelligent conversation about it, we have to ask ourselves: Are we talking about male to female transsexuals, or are we talking about female to male transsexuals? Because they're different populations with different potentially motivations, different concerns. It's not to say there's not overlap, but you know they deserve to be separate discussions. And as it stands right now, we know a lot more about female. Uh, excuse me. About male to female transsexuals, than we do about female to male. Although that's changing. The other thing you need to know, uh, if we want to have an intelligent conversation about that, is that <coughs> there is there. If we're talking about male to female transsexuals, there, there isn't just one type. There are different types, and although superficially they look similar, they sort their their sort of life history. Uh, it, are very different, Um, different to the point where often the two different types don't even socialize with each other. Um, So as far as what I feel about that, I would say, look, if if that's what you need to be happy and to be uh, healthy and to feel like a productive member of the community, then I'm fully in favor of it. Okay, now the children. Uh, what do i think about the children well the children i think that <clears throat> all of the data the the best data we have from places like canada and the netherlands it shows that if we're talking about little again we have to we have to are we talking about little boys or are we talking about little girls cuz different different conversations different data sets if we're talking about little boys the vast majority of the data indicates that most of those little boys are going to grow up to be gay men. Because we know, it's it's beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, boyhood femininity is an extremely strong predictor of an adult homosexual outcome. Um, and it, it's only a tiny percentage of, the, of those feminine boys that are g- going to grow up to be transsexual. We have no idea how to determine which, who are the tiny percentage? If we could, boy, we could make their lives so much easier because we could intervene early and help them, but we don't know. And so I, I worry about sort of mass intervention when we know from the data that the majority of those little boys are gonna grow up to be gay. They're not gonna wanna surgically modify their bodies, and they're not gonna wanna hormonally modify their bodies. And so I fear that it's almost like a type of conversion therapy. You could think of it as in which we're, 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 we're converting little gay boys into transsexual women. Uh, and it's a massive social experiment that's being conducted. And we have no idea what the outcome is going to be. So <clears throat> I think I, I, would, I would err on the side of caution and be supportive of the child. But I would, I would ease off of any interventions that couldn't be reversed. And I, I can also say, in response to your question, that we know once the kids reach uh, adolescence, once they reach teenage years, that if they're still insisting that they are the other sex or they want to be the other sex, then it's not going to change. It's in childhood that that changes dramatically for the majority. But in adolescence, it looks like it doesn't change. And so uh, the, the people I know that work with these populations, they they understand that. And they, they, they know that if, if an adolescent is coming into them with these complaints, these concerns, this distress, then uh, the, best, the best policy in terms of helping this individual being happy and healthy and productive member of society is to uh, facilitate the transition. Uh, so I hope it's a... Incredibly complicated um, uh, topic, and uh, but I do think that um, there's been a <clears throat> sort of a this this massive amount of interest in, 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 in supporting children in transitioning, wow. and I think that that's frightening, given what we know about the data. Uh, if we're if we're talking about little girls. Uh, the results are very mixed, uh, but you can, the majority, again, are going to grow up to be um, cisgender, they're not going to grow up to be transgender, and they're very mixed in terms of sexual orientation. Some will be lesbian, but lots will be straight as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's clearly a topic that we need, we need to have more uh, funding uh, pumped into so that we can understand these 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 processes m- in more depth. So I hope I answered your question. Hi, uh,
0: my name is Van Christou. Um, I was very interested uh, in your talk, uh, your description of how early uh, Polynesians uh, uh, zoned in on on these different uh, categories of sexuality. Mm-hmm which to me uh, speaks of a very sensitive, humanistic uh, culture to to be able to do that, which I don't see in our culture. Um, I'm sure that you've given a lot of thought to uh, what is it in our culture that has prevented us from having that kind of sensitivity.
1: That's that's a huge question. (laughs) Um, I think... Well, first of all, I'd say sensi- bec- their sensitivity is towards gender, really, because they're queuing into this gender atypical behavior in the kids. I think we have the exact same sensitivity here. I think parents know fully well when they have a, a feminine little boy on their hands. Uh, and it freaks them out, because on some level, they know that male femininity, <laughs> homosexual outcome, so, it's just that Samoans are much more explicit about that relationship, and much less freaked out about it, because Samoans and ismo Zapotec, they realize that feminine males, and masculine females, for that matter, are part of the universe. And you don't, they're not gonna, it's not gonna go away, it's not gonna disappear. And uh, rather than I always say, you know, rather than throw these people aside, which is sort of the, sort of what happens in this culture, marginalize them. Mm. They, 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 they integrate them. They, they're integrated into the family. And, you know, I was interviewed recently by Katie Couric for for a National Geographic documentary, and I said, this is the way to go. Why, why would you not want to integrate? People into the society in a functional manner, so they could contribute. I, I don't. I mean, uh, maybe, maybe it just seems logical to me because I spend so much time in these other cultures where, uh, where transgendered individuals are so socially unproblematic. No one in those cultures is sitting around spending time talking about them and debating them, or even <laughs> even noticing their existence. They're no more noteworthy. Than any man or any woman in this room, there. So it's just a very, very. Uh, they're just treated as kind of quotidian presence in the society, unremarkable. Why do? Why are we not that way? I honestly, that is not a that is not a question I can answer, other than to say that there are different ways that. Gender and gendered categories of personhood get elaborated on across the planet, and um, I mean I'm sure I, I just gave you an example of, of a culture, Albania, where masculine women are recognized as a third gender. They're they're respected. It's quite amazing to see how they're how they comport themselves in those societies and how the men treat them. Um, but that's not the case in Samoa. Masculine women fa-fa-tama, are not not as respected as fafafine. So, I mean, that's just to take it out of the web, out, of, out of a Canadian context and think about it that way. It's just another example of how, as you go across the planet, gender and gendered categories of personhood they get elaborated on differently. And do I know? You know, I, I guess the lesson from all of that is that when you know what the options are. You can then make intelligent choices about the kind of society you want to craft, the kind of society you want to live in. And I, <clears throat> all I can say is that living in these places where they have these, where there's this acceptance of these third gender males, um, I, 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 I see that as a model that is a desirable one. I, I, I think it's the society as a whole, the family. They, you, they benefit by integrating people and not marginalizing them. Yeah.
3: Hi. Hi. <coughs> Excuse me. Ken Sears. A uh, couple of questions. Uh, the first one is f- focusing strictly on Samoa.
0: Sure.
3: You make it sound as though it's, uh, are we talking about traditional, what, well, in quotes, culture here? Because uh, as I'm sure you know, uh, <laughs> Melanesia, Micronesia is one of the Real focus is for evangelical American Christianity and also for the LDS Church. Mm-hmm. So, is there a have you noticed a difference between that part of the Samoan population who have converted to so you know, to a Christianity or an American American form of religion from from the larger society in their relationships with with transgendered?
1: Well, everyone in in Samoa would say that they are religious, everyone goes to church. I mean, if you don't, you're viewed with suspicion. You're you're considered to be pretty strange. <laughs> um, uh, there are different, the, the, the denominations that are the most prevalent in, in Samoa are Catholics. Uh, there's, there's a Protestant group ca- called London Missionary. I don't know if that exists anywhere else in the world, but they're called London Missionary. I, is it Anglican? Okay, sorry, I'm, I'm not a religious expert, so. There's um, Methodist, and there's LDS. And I can tell you that definitely certain denominations are much more accepting of the Fafafine than than others. Um, um, So as I said, there are denominations where the the Fafafine are quite literally the the minister's favorite parishioners. They'll live. on the church compound. They help the minister do whatever needs to be done. Um, But other denominations, uh, they wouldn't allow the Fafafine to dress in a feminine manner. They would insist that the Fafafine butch it up, so to speak. Um, Yeah.
3: Okay, and the second question is more across both of your cultures you're looking at. Yes. Uh, The avuncularity issue. Yes. Has anybody done any studies to see if the incidence of avuncularity increases with the age of the respondent in that?
1: Uh, in all of the analysis we do, we control for age. So age wouldn't be a factor uh, influencing... Um, we've never broken it down and compared them by age group, but when we, when we, when we do compare the groups, if there's an age difference, we, uh, we control for that. We have, what we have done is we've compared Fafafine to men who are married, who would be older, and men who are unmarried, because the married men would have children, and so maybe they're just responding at lower rates to our questions about avuncularity, because they're busy with their own kids. Whereas some people might argue unmarried men, childless men, are more appropriate comparisons, because like Fafafini, they don't have kids, and they could, um, they they have time. But we find, uh, we still find, even if you compare them to childless men, that they exhibit elevated levels.
2: Thank you, Paul. Uh, Very interesting discussion. Uh, I'm Mary Shillington, and this follows up for me the unabridged uh, workshop that was held, or conference that was held this weekend, uh, uh, the past weekend for uh, people from the LGBTQ community plus uh, straight people and gender and and faith. So, uh, to some extent, uh, one of my questions is from Samoa is Mm. What is the attitude towards females, per se, Mm -hmm. as versus males, per se, uh, so that uh, you said that the males are more accepted Mm. uh, in their other gender, in Mm. their gender uh, action and and so on than women are. Seems to be. Yeah, so what is the general perception, that's my first question, what's the general perception of of gender uh, uh, as far as females are concerned, how much, are they respected? How much are they involved? That kind of thing.
1: Samoa is known as a culture, uh, and certainly the ismo Zapotec, are known, they're both known as cultures where women have a lot of power. Okay. And uh, they comport themselves as such. You know, you, you can tell the way they carry themselves through the streets. Uh, these are powerful women, and uh, they're, they're not going to be p- swept aside to the margins. So the, the women in both cultures, uh, you know, if we're thinking about things relatively, uh, it's much more egalitarian in terms of how the power is dealt out. Uh, I'm not saying that there aren't certain things that women might be excluded from in both of these cultures, but relatively speaking, these are cultures in which women have much more power.
2: So less misogyny then?
0: Uh,
1: <coughs> I don't know. I guess. I guess. I'm. I'm not sure how to answer that question. I guess what I'm thinking about is, um, like, economic power and mm-hmm. power in the family in terms of decision making. I mean, misogyny and. I guess it depends on how you define misogyny. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, I'll just give you an example. If you came with me to Uchtan, and we went for lunch, to the central square that I showed you a picture of you wouldn't really see a whole lot of men working. It's the women that are in charge of things economically. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Samoa, you know, you, in my, my own family, for example, because I, I have a Samoan partner, um, in my own family, the matriarch of the, it's a matriarch of the family, mm-hmm. Auntie Lange, and she's the, she's the boss, but she says, goes for, the
0: whole, <laughs> for the, whole,
1: the whole extended family. So we'll have meetings where the extended family comes in, and you—it's it, very hierarchical, and you—you you have your place where you sit, and um, she, she, what her, what she says is the final decision, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Doesn't matter. I mean, everybody gets a chance to talk, but she's the one who decides, and that's—that's not—that's not unusual in a Samoan cultural context. Okay.
2: Oh, thank you. The yeah. second question sort of follows up on on Ken Sears, uh questions and and your answer about the different groups that are now there with spreading a different kind of a gospel message. Right. Um, it it, it seems to me like the people here yes. in in uh, that spoke out in uh, in the unabridged, uh, 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 many of them were were really. Um, uh, uh, segregated against by the very conservative religious groups. Uh, I'm a Christian, but I'm very offended by some of the way some, some Christian groups have treated uh, LGBTQ uh, people, the community. And, and so, like, what's the impact of groups like the LDS that are there? Uh, what's their impact on, on trying to change what the culture has already set out and even the catholic church sometimes has, has done some of that too right. so what what what's the impact with that well, uh,
1: my my sense is that the catholics in samoa are much more accommodating to the fafafine than uh the lds church so the the the, the fafafine would go to church as fafafine not as they wouldn't pretend to be men uh, so so again, it really depends. And, and, and what's the impact? Well, I guess the impact, I, I, you know, I don't think Fafafine are, are going anywhere. It's, it's a deep cultural tradition. It, the culture accommodates, the traditional culture will accommodate to these external forces. And um, I don't think Fafafine are going anywhere. There, there might be families that are LDS that have Fafafine in them. And the fafafine try to be men. They try not to be fafafine, but I can tell you that when that happens, everyone in the community <coughs> says that those people are still fafafine. You, you you don't become a man just because you act masculine. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't think I don't think that these conservative religious views are going to affect the presence of Fafafine. There'll, there'll be certain families that are affected but in terms of the entire culture it's I don't think it's going anywhere it's been around a long time and uh, it's managed to, the Samoans are very strong people you know they're they were the first uh, Pacific island nation to get independence they're they're very strong-willed uh, and um, they they're, the culture is very very strong I mean you go there and it's a living. I, I'm always a little bit sad when I fly from from Apia to Honolulu, because the Polynesian culture in Honolulu in, in Hawaii has been totally destroyed. Almost no one speaks the language anymore. The Polynesians are not in control of Hawaii. Uh, the island has been, you know, overdeveloped. When you're when you're in Samoa, it's like it's a, it's a it's truly a living Polynesian culture where where Samoan is spoken and. Um, Traditional someone values are, are still very much in place. Yeah. yeah.
2: Hi. Hi, Bep Trainer speaking. Uh, I just want clarification on something I thought I heard you say, and I wasn't clear on. Did I hear, or could you clarify whether or not the men that you described in these groups that uh, you were talking about are they infertile, or do they choose not to reproduce?
1: So the fafafine and the mushe, I said that they, and, and gay guys, they, they lack reproductive output, which, which just means they're not having kids. Or if, if they're having kids, it's at a vastly lower level than what a comparable group of heterosexual men would be having. Um, so for example, I published a paper a few years ago in which I interviewed 235 fafafine, and I asked them about their, the number of children they had. And the sum reproductive output for those 235 fafafinae was zero. So that, it, I, it's you know... It's more I,
2: of a choice than, than a biological uh, state.
1: Well, I don't know if I'd say it's a choice. It's, a, it's just a complete lack of interest in, in people you would reproduce with, women. Okay, Yeah, right. So it's not, it's not a choice. It's just, if you're, if you're not interested if, in, in, in those individuals as sexual objects, then you are gonna be excluded from reproduction.
2: Okay, I'm gonna take this one more question. Sure, of course. Because I come from a cattle background, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And could they reproduce artificially? Artificial insemination, okay? That's what I'm getting at. Could they biologically reproduce? Oh oh,
1: Oh, oh, they're they're completely uh, physiologically capable of reproducing. It's just that in order to reproduce, you, don't, you, don't, you not only have to have the physiology no. in place, you have to have the cognition. No, I
2: understand the that. The
1: cognition in place, and if the cognition is directing you towards same-sex exactly. partners, then if, you, if, you're, if you're from a cattle background, you must know about sheep then, too. That there's re- <laughs> re- re- <laughs> really high levels Maybe of Maybe we uh, shouldn't go there. <laughs> uh, uh, it's f- no, the, I mean, the sheep research is absolutely fascinating. Yes,
2: uh, I know uh, boop, less. Boop. Boop.
0: Next person.
1: Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, We're not supposed to you. talk about sheep, no matter how interesting they are.
0: <laughs> hey, uh, my name's Avery. I have a question on behalf of an academic colleague of mine. Sure. Many academics who study sex and gender make careful distinctions between gender identity, gender expression, sex, and sexual orientation. In okay. your work on yes. third genders, your primary way of describing them is as effeminate homosexual men. Given this, wouldn't these third genders be better understood as sexual and not gender identities?
1: Well, that, that's not accurate at all. I never, ever describe them as homosexual, and I never, ever describe them as men. So, so I want to correct that. And what, what was the last part of the question? Sorry.
0: Um, given this, wouldn't these third genders be better understood as sexual and not gender identities?
1: I would say I would say no because inclusion in the category fafafine or mouche is contingent on your gender expression which then informs your identity it's not contingent on who you have sex with you can be a fafafine who's abstin- uh, who doesn't have sex you can be, uh, or you could be a masculine man who has sex with another man, or sex with a fafafine. Those individuals are never considered fafafine. It's really the gender atypicality that is the key criterion for inclusion in those categories. And of, of course, the, the same-sex sexuality is like almost a, a byproduct of that, because we know that gender atypicality in males is closely linked to same-sex sexuality in adulthood, but I think that I think that gay is a sexual identity category, but I think that mushe and fafafine, they're a gender identity category, even though all three have, have lots in common. So that would be my answer to that question.
0: Next yeah, question. Thanks. And uh, Terry, you be the last one.
1: Okay. Uh, Mark, Hi. Uh, Terry Shellington. Uh, nice to meet Paul, you. Th- thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, I'm tempted to. Uh, I'm. I'm. I wonder, after hearing you, uh, how these two unique cultures right. com- compare to. How does the Mexican sub- the community you
3: described compare to the rest of Mexico, for example, and and uh, the Samoan culture? Uh, is it is it atypical in the Asian world
1: or? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in mm-hmm. terms of the lack of hostility towards right, um, right.
0: Uh, well, well, non-binary u- people,
1: right. Well, Uchitan is is pretty unique in the Mexican cultural context. There's lots of people in Mexico who don't even know that uh, Uchitan or Muche exist. Mm-hmm. I I, I uh, spoke with one woman who uh, was living in the the next state over Chiapas, and she told me she moved to Uchitan because she has a a, a little feminine and she wanted the kid to be safe, and she knew that if she moved to Uchtan, thing, things would be better in terms of the kid's life. So it is, for those who know about it, Uchtan is kind of this really interesting, really unusual example of a place where there's um, tolerance, acceptance, I, I would say even celebration uh, uh, of uh, what we would call transgender males. But, but it's fascinating, you know. It's literally just that tiny little circumscribed area of, in the Isthmus, so the Uchitan and the Tehuantepec uh, districts. And as soon as you go out of that, they don't exist anymore. So there's some I don't know what it is, but there's something about that little area that makes it unique. Uh, as far as Samoa goes, if we're looking at it in the broader Polynesian context. You see uh, examples of third gender males in all of the Polynesian cultures, Tonga, Tuvalu, Um, uh, not Fiji, Fiji's Melanesian. So the Melanesians are not very accepting of feminine males and you don't really see it in Micronesia either. So you really, which was a real lesson for me that, you know, I think, oh, Samoa, Fiji, what's the difference? They're just a bunch of islands and they're all next to each other. But Polynesia, Micronesia, and and Melanesia are are really culturally distinct. Um, and, And if we go further afield to Asia, Well, there's lots of examples of cultures in Asia that have third third gender males. Uh, So I hope that answers your question. Thank you very much, everyone. I appreciate your attention.